Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. Your it's Living Proof episode. Podcast. That's right. I haven't beatboxed for anybody for a while. No, It's actually it's been a, a little few side skill I have. It is. Yes. Should I do it? No, we'll do it later. Okay. We have an awesome topic today. There is no solution as permanent as what? A temporary solution. It's a good one. It is. It it's doesn't sound exciting. We're going to get into it. We have a few things that are going to stir the pot. But I do want to say real quick before we get started, I have to give a shout out to everyone out there who parents. <laughs> Serious. Just if you're a parent. I In the last week or two, I've had... <sighs> A lot of sobering moments and times on my knees going, gosh, it's so hard to be a parent. You're wondering if you're doing it right. There's something you should be doing better or different. Your kids have their challenges and you want to save them from them and you can't. Like, I just, all of you out there who are trying and parenting and not avoiding or pawning it off to somebody else, I love you. <laughs> I think what you're doing is amazing. Yeah, don't quit. So we also are excited on May 1st, we have our big event coming up. We've been working for a while on something special. Yeah, like almost an entire year. So <sighs> Yeah, at this- least a year. We've we brought on some help. We've had some professional consultants helping us architect this incredible new program that we're launching. Yep. So on May 1st, it happened to fall that we, we found an opportunity with a place that's going to let us use their venue and we're going to party. Yeah, because what else is on May 1st? A lot. So May 1st will be our event. But May 1st happens to be my 16th year sobriety date. Yeah. It also is the very first day of now the top trending initiative month, which is mental health awareness. Yep. And I I think it's so ironic that they follow on, like, that they're the same day. Like, Yeah. You know what I'm just now realizing is 16 years ago when my dad and brother found me in that basement clinging for life and I began this journey there was no such thing as mental health awareness month no like there wasn't people didn't even talk about mental health so this was something that happened years down the road but I thought how special that it happened on that day yeah like the very first day of this that month yeah so if 16 years of sobriety was not enough uh a reason enough to have a party then kicking off mental health awareness month combined with it sure is so we're gonna we're it's actually gonna be a really fun event we have um todd sylvester coming to speak um just lots of just fun things a lot of cool vendors and restaurants and businesses that are getting involved so yeah so if you're local you totally have a chance to come if you want to register um go to our instagram page there's a little highlight bubble has all the links and all the stuff and it's free so coming up quick so we hope to see you there yeah Today we are, like I said, going to stir the pot a little bit. My wife taught me a phrase years ago that applies to today's topic so well. We already gave you a teaser, but we'll repeat it again. Because the very first time you said this... Yeah, I think he was confused. Well, I was distracted by your beauty. (laughs) You were probably wearing something real cute. No, I'm sure I wasn't. I'm sure you were just like, wait, what words? My ADD was like, wait. Yeah, you said too many words. There is no solution as permanent as a temporary solution. Yes. Yes, she did say that. And I was like, wait, what? Walked yeah, away but think about in. it. Think about it. It's really, really true. Yeah. Yep. It is. Yep. It's, and, pr- it's very profound. So we're talking about those things because today we want to talk about how seemingly harmless temporary solutions become nothing other than permanent. 
And I'm specifically going to, like I said, stir the pot and talk about a few that are trending these days. Yeah. A few things like plant-based medicines, prescription medications that are overly used and abused, particularly ones for ADHD. Yeah. And we're going to get into it a little bit. It's more than anything before, more than any other generation or time, we are self-loathing, right? Self-soothing, I'm sorry. Yeah. Self-soothing. Yeah. Unable to feel any type of discomfort whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I was looking, I was doing a little bit of research and I, I was like, I wonder how much of the U.S. population has like a mental health disorder. It's 20%. See, but I have a problem with that. That's all that are documented. No, for sure. Those but are like, ones that have actually been by a clinical, like a psychiatrist diagnosed that, on that's paper. True. That's true. But think about that. Even that is alarming. These are people that are willing to be like, gosh, I don't feel right. Yeah, because most of them will never, they're in this, they're still in this, in right? The, like in the shadows. Totally. So I'm like, that's, that's a significant number. 20% Sci known. Side note, side note, by the way, doing this research, I found this funny article. Well, it actually wasn't funny. It was sad, but it said that um, Utah, which is where I live, has more than double the amount of women on antidepressants than any other state in the country. Any other state. Double. And this this article, the reason why I thought it was funny was because the guy that wrote it was like, it's probably because their husbands would prefer them to be on antidepressants rather than actually helping them get to the root of their problems because maybe the problem is them. <laughs> oh boy. Throwing the throwing all of us under the bus. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Anyway. There's other factors but, into that too. Yeah, 100%. But Anyway, um, the other alarming thing that I came across was that Gen Z, so that's like kids that I are, always get confused of who's what. Yeah. The, what it's were like, we? What it's, were we? I, I don't know. We fall into a weird category. It's like we're in the middle of several. But anyway, Gen Z is like born in like from 1997 to like 2000, uh, I don't know, five, uh, 10 or something like that. It's like 25 year olds. Okay. So um, Gen Z is the most medicated and depressed generation in the history of the world. This is global. 42% have a diagnosed mental health condition with anxiety, depression, and ADHD being the top three diagnosis. That's some crazy stuff. And then the other thing is just- That is mind-boggling. And again, that's those that are known- Right. Right. Those that have come forward and said, I have a problem. Yes. And then the other one that I just, you can't avoid. Cause like I, if I open for some reason, Facebook, which I hate Facebook, but whenever I open Facebook, it instantly pops up an ad for ketamine therapy. <laughs> Maybe it's cause we talk about these things and our phone listens, but it is still yeah, ridiculous. It's really, really weird. But anyway, the psychedelic therapy realm is like one of the biggest, um, industries right now that like investors are trying to get into it's it's one of it's said to be like the quote future of mental health treatment yeah. so that's an interesting thing well medicating oneself is a multi-trillion dollar industry <laughs> that's, that's right. been controlled by big pharma for a long time that's right so. so i mean i i know why i think that we are all struggling and why gen z could say you know is the most depressed generation in the history of the world. But I want to talk about that a little bit later. Right now, I actually just want to ask you, Danny, um, why are we seeing these huge surges in not only diagnosis, 
but just people who are seeking like out self-medicating with, you know, psychedelics. Our inability. Or abusing, you know, ADHD medication. Our inability to sit in discomfort. And I think since the cavemen, right? Like no one wants to sit in discomfort, but now (laughs) it is so easy to escape and avoid. Yeah. There are so many options out there to help you avoid feeling discomfort. So not only do we not want to feel discomfort, but we are able to avoid it in so many ways. Yes. So many ways. I I think, gosh, I look back and I'm like, all the lessons learned because 16 years ago, found dead basically in the basement of an abandoned home. I was stripped down. I had nothing, like nothing. I had nothing. I didn't have a dollar. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have anyone close to me. I had no solid relationships. I had no hope for the future. I had nothing. Yeah. So it was a complete rebuild. It's almost like thinking about if your house burns down and you just have to rebuild the whole entire thing from the ground up. What I learned more than anything else, well, always first and foremost, is how I learned how to create a personal relationship with God. Yeah. But other than that, practical things that you learned was how to sit in discomfort, that it's okay when things are not good. Yeah. I didn't know how to do that before. Well, and you probably didn't think it was okay. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know how to do that and I was a master at escaping and avoiding those things. Most of us just simply avoid discomfort, especially physically, mentally, emotionally. We all do it because that's just how we're hardwired to do it. Yeah. To go the opposite direction of pain and discomfort. Yep. And I was the master of this. I don't want to get into my story too much cuz you've probably heard it before, but in the beginning I think people get hung up a lot on this. Like, is addiction a moral breakdown or uh, is it an illness? Yeah. (laughs) Both. In the beginning, some poor choices were made. Either someone wronged you and you experienced serious trauma and therefore you were desperate to find any way out. You could have just been curious. Could have been peer pressure. But there was a breakdown in the beginning when things you started doing, consuming, using things that you shouldn't have. Yeah. What's crazy is... They're all stimulating. They'll make you feel a certain way. You can find out whatever you want to make you feel whatever you want. But you don't even realize that simultaneously it's taking away anything uncomfortable in your life. Yeah. You get to avoid it. You don't even realize that till way down the road. Yeah. At the end of the day, there is no chemical solution to a spiritual or emotional wound. Yeah. There's not. It's, it's and that's written, hard. That's hard. Yeah. It's one of the most it's one of the most famous phrases in the in the big book. If you've ever heard the big book, to me, it's scripture. Like it was inspired by God. It was scripture written for certain people at certain times in their life. But there's a phrase that says there's no chemical solution to a spiritual or emotional wound. There's not. Yeah. But we sure <laughs> we sure have a lot of those at our disposal. Yeah, and, and we're, we're getting more and more every day. And we're gonna get into it. And a lot of them are are, are taken for what? They're taken for a good reason or a good purpose. They're never intended to be permanent. They're always just because something happened. You went through something tragic. There was a seriously difficult time in your life. Goodness, we all have them where it's like, how can I even get out of bed today? So there are certain times when they are used to benefit you. Sure. But they just are becoming the most permanent thing in people's life. So some some today, I just want to mention a few things real quick to shed light on this. There was a problem 50 years ago. There was a problem 30 years ago. But today, there's a problem unlike ever before. 
Go Google. What are the top 10 causes of death? More than half of them are going to be drug and alcohol related. Mm -hmm. They are. Number one is overdose to fentanyl right now. Yeah. <laughs> then you have alcohol related deaths and you have overdose to other drugs. It's because we have found these temporary solutions that become the most permanent thing. Yeah. If you call right now, we all know for the last couple of years, if you called the pharmacy, what was it? There was a pre-recorded message for the, there still is at some of them. Oh yeah. For like COVID-19 If you were calling in regards to COVID-19, press one. Right? Yeah. That was a good voice. Thank you. I practiced that. I, <laughs> I recognized there was this outage of Adderall recently. And so for fun, I called a couple different pharmacies and found, cause I saw a sign at one Yeah. and at CVS when I was there with my daughter, getting some other lotions and some certain things, we needed some melatonin or whatever. And there was a sign for it. And I heard a lady yelling at the pharmacist about it. So when I called these other pharmacies, there's, there's now a new pre-recorded message at a lot of pharmacies. Yeah. And it'll probably change, you know, so they'll catch back up there. The shortage will be taken care of because the demand's there and there's a yeah. lot of money to be had. Yeah. But there's an Adderall shortage. Yeah. Why? Because so far too many people are being prescribed it. Yeah. It's now becoming overly used, abused, and it's a problem. A problem so much that there's a shortage and they've ran out. They can't keep up with the demand. Yeah. Plant-based medicine is one that every time I bring up, I'll have some people be like, yeah, I can see, I can understand why that's that can be dangerous. And then I get people that are mad, yeah. angry, like almost spewing venom at me because of how much they believe in it and how much more they think it, it's beneficial than opioids, which I do agree. Sure. It's the lesser of two evils. Yeah. But the amount of people that are using plant-based medicine, I'm just going to say it for what it is. For the right reasons... <laughs> Are, are very few. Yeah. Is there a benefit to using plant-based medicine to help someone overcome trauma if they were like sexually trafficked or if they were a war vet and came home and saw the most heinous things known imaginable? Yeah. Yes. In a clinical setting with the right person to help you just take the first two or three steps to work through your trauma, that is of benefit. Yeah. There's scientific proof that shows that that, that helps people to get past what they can't get through on their own. Right. But guess what? Most people that are using it are using it to find deeper purpose because they can't find it on their own. They're using it to connect in a way with people and things in their life or even God that they couldn't do on their own. Yeah. Over time, it just becomes this trend. And so there's people packing up their bags and going on these retreats and they're going into the jungle and doing these plant-based medicine trips. Not in clinical settings, obviously, right? So people want to argue that it can be of such benefit that it can have they can have these spiritual breakthroughs you will have a spiritual breakthrough and it will be completely gone the second that it wears off yeah. and you're right back where you were so in order to have that breakthrough again what do they do, do years later i hear they're just doing these retreats every month now sometimes it's every week because they're needing to have that breakthrough or whatever it is that enlightenment and they can't do it with anything else but that right that applies to ketamine treatments all these other things and you know what we've come so far down into the hole as a society that goodness gracious when i was doing drugs even at the worst at the very end shooting up different drugs do you know how terrifying it was to go and try to get the supplies you need i do not 
I do not. I have never tried. Oh my gosh. It was terrifying. <laughs> I to don't. go to a pharmacy and try to get a box of syringes. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a thing. They go through cases of them a day for other reasons, right? Like you sure. have diabetes and whatever. Now you can just go into different government funded agencies and they'll give you all clean syringes that you need. They'll give you clean crack pipes. It's just ridiculous. Wow. That is really actually sick. So those are some examples. I hope I didn't go off too far on those, but this is what fuels addictions for millions. Addictions that are now becoming life-threatening. Our societies become obsessed with avoiding discomfort. Well, yeah, it is like a cultural phenomenon, um, generational phenomenon. Maybe it's like if we have a problem, we want the fastest, quickest, huh. and most immediate way out of it. It doesn't, you know, we don't really care about how, why is this happening? What are the causes? We just want the symptoms to go away. We're That's like, it. Our like, brains are like apps now, right? Like, yeah. what's, what's the most efficient, quickest way I can do this? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean. So your kid has a problem in school. They're struggling in school. What's the first response? What's wrong with them? Well, they can't focus. Okay, let's get them on. ADHD medication right now. Yes. You notice that your teenager's depressed. Oh my gosh, puberty. They're going through a time like it's so difficult. They can't fit in. They're having a tr troubles at school. What's the, what's the immediate thing that people do? We've got to fix the problem. What do you do to fix it? Yeah. Medication. Antidepressants, something. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody does that, but it's becoming like, well, it's, it's almost just like the first line of defense. It's just yeah. like, put them on some sort of a medica medication. Oh, and Hey, back up. When I mentioned some of those listed out, some of those things like plant-based medicine, Adderall government agencies, handing out drug paraphernalia. I forgot medical marijuana cards. I will stand on the rooftops and scream, fight, argue with anyone who wants. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. They are handed out like candy. It is easier. If you want to go put a fence around your yard, it's going to be hell getting the permit to do that, going back and forth, filling out the forms, talking to the city, doing what you have to do just to get a fence. In your own yard. On your own property. But if you need a medical marijuana card because you have anxiety. Boom. I, I can't even... I can't tell you how easy it is. I have worked with, talked to, met hundreds of people who literally went to one place and got that, got that card. And now they can just get what they need whenever they need it and do it legally. Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. So people that now suffer with anxiety instead of dealing with it by reading, studying about God, connecting, going on a hike, Meditating. exercising. Yeah. Guess what? They just chew gummies. Yeah. And it's so innocent, right? You don't even have to smoke out of a pipe or a bong anymore. I used to have to roll joints and then scrub my fingers clean after because they smell. Nowadays, they just <laughs> pop these cute little gummies. Some of the gummies are even coated in sugar. Oh, well, that would be my choice. Unfreaking believable. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I do have to say. Okay, say it. All of these are meant to be what? Temporary help. Sure. Some of them for very legitimate reasons during a very difficult time. Yeah. But nothing becomes more permanent in that person's life when they choose that than the temporary solution. Yes. No. And I com I actually wholeheartedly believe with that statement. I do want to say, like, I, I personally do believe that there are legitimate reasons to take some of these medications. I, I do. Oh, sure. Um, and on a super personal note, I had a very, very acute onset of anxiety and depression in my early 20s one that that was so severe that it it threatened my life for for sure 
And my family dove straight in. They helped me. Their support combined with medication that I was put on to stabilize me saved my life. Like 100% Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to take the first few steps without it. Nope, I would not have. I describe it as like the yelling and the voices that were uh, like negative inside of my head were so loud that I could not access any other information. And then with the help and support of my family and the medication, it helped kind of not take all of that away, but minimized it. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that I had it because I, again, I believe that it did save my life at a time at, at that time. But the point is, I guess that yes, it saved my life, but it was never my long-term plan. I didn't never allowed that to become my long-term plan. In my mind had just made a decision, I guess, like I'm going to take this to stabilize me and then I'm going to do the work to work through this and then back it off and like reassess things in another three months. And that's that's really, that's exactly what I did. I, I took it. I literally took it for three months. At three months, I backed it off a little bit. And then I just saw how I felt. And then by six months, I was I was almost completely off of this medication. Now, was I still in a in a dire emotional state? I was. Was I suicidal anymore? No. Was I able to contribute and have a job and function? Yes. Was I what I would call like whole again and and okay? No, I wasn't. That that was years down the road. But you know, you know what? I could feel both the positive and the negative things still. Like, which is where I wanted to be. I didn't want to mute everything, I guess is, is the point. And that, so that process was what you just described sitting here listening was baffling because it was almost identical to mine. Totally different situations. Yeah. Totally different things to overcome. Totally different recovery needed. But those steps that you just described are the same. I mean, it's, it's ironic when you go to a treatment center, I was one, you go in and they're pulling you off the street from something life-threatening. Sure, you're like, okay, I'm now in recovery. I'm sober. I'm not doing these drugs anymore. <laughs> but at all these different facilities, there's a line of people. It's almost, I called it the zombie line. At nighttime, in these different residential clinical facilities where they're all waiting for their doctor. Yeah. Because there's a form, there's a form of treatment called MAT, medically assisted treatment, in the beginning that's necessary. So yes, we're all so, supposedly sober, but you're in line to get your cup full of drugs. And it's like your anti-psychotics, your anti-anxiety, your sleeping medication. It's crazy. But the whole process is tapering you, you off. You did of it that. with your family. Yeah. Most do it with professionals where you start, they've got to stabilize you with those things. Right. You've got to sleep. You've got to stop shaking and sweating. Yeah. You've got to do those things, but they slowly over a period of time, start reducing and taking those things away and challenge you to feel discomfort. Yes. And process through it. Yes, and that's exactly you know, my dad is a doctor, so he has a different mindset and he believed at the time that I did need some medical treatment, you know, help with this and so that's why he suggested that I take this medication. But what's interesting is he was like, "Oh, this is just for a period of time. This Plan isn't going to be this is not going to be forever. This is just for right now and then we're going to revisit this and and I'm I'm just so grateful for that that type of care. Unfortunately, it is not the type of care that is very <laughs> it's stabilizing, you, it's not healing. You can't find it very often. Um so 
My personal belief is that stabilization should always be the goal um, when you're taking any psychiatric medications because that's where the work can begin. Once you're stabilized, you can work on your pain, your trauma, your emotional wounds because you're, you're stable enough to do it. But unfortunately, in our culture, that's typically where the work ends. You get stabilized, you never work on it, and then it actually takes more medication to stay stabilized. And so the longer you stay on it, the more dependent you are. Dependent on you are. And so I, I just, I, I guess I just wish more people could maybe approach it like that. And maybe it's just because they don't, you know, realize it, but it is possible is what I'm saying. It's, it's totally possible. And it, it will always be the goal of mine. If any of, of anyone I love, including obviously my own children, um, needed some help like this. I, I wouldn't say there's never a situation where this would be okay, but I would say, let's look at it on a short-term plan and revisit things. But it's um, the healing. But th that's the thing, is it, it's the healing. And, and I will also say, because I will never, ever miss an opportunity to testify, there is no way on earth I would have actually been able to, to continue healing or to, to fully heal without involving Jesus Christ. I mean, ultimately, he is the healer, the healer of especially, in my opinion, emotional emotional wounds. Um, and so I guess I just, I think it's hard because he heals in stages, but I think that we should look at that and notice that he does that for a reason, and it's because we need the time to heal. We need that. He understands that. It's a process. It is not fast. It will not happen in three months or six months. It will take in three years or six years. But one tiny step at a time, it will happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's goodness along the way. Just because you're not completely whole does not mean you cannot access joy. That is the truth. It is. I, I spent a good decade of my life entrenched in recovery, meaning all these different meetings like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, just open meetings, recovery groups all over the place. Yeah. Some of them were through the corrections department. Some That's of them okay. were state funded just <laughs> programs that I had to do in my probationary period. Some of them were in very high end, clinically sound settings. Yeah. Some of them were just public ones where people, they were free. In every one of those rooms, people had something that helped them start. They're all broken. They needed medical assisted treatment, Matt. Yeah. But the process in all of these rooms, which is so cool. There's some of the <laughs> hardest, craziest people in these rooms is to find a connection with God, to find a way to heal. That's right. The process of recovery is not about staying sober, fixing any sort of problem. It's getting stable enough that you can heal from what either started it. That's right. Or what you experienced along the way. That's right. I love we, that. We've lost the approach of, of looking at difficult situations, extreme situations, and being able to sit in discomfort. We have. Our cultures, let's just quickly talk on a few of these. Is We've mentioned at the beginning that we're like app-driven. But yeah. there, is so, there are so many resources to help us be efficient these days. Yes. To do things the right way, the quickest way, the best way. Yep. There's to also, do many things at the same time. Yes. There's so many things that help us to also avoid these these feelings of discomfort some of those we, we just wanted to talk about i mean it's just the the natural progression of technology right yeah some of them we wrote down that we wanted to talk about were just if you don't want to make eye contact you don't have to you just look down at what yeah just hold your phone oh my god like you're checking an email 
I, I, I know that even young people in the middle school and high school, they have their phone just because they don't have to walk down the hall and look at other people. They can just look at their phone. Yeah. If you're bored, what do you do? You can flip on your phone real quick and play a quick little bejeweled or a game or something, whatever it is that you want to do. Send a quick text. If you need to know something, your question about something, you can just hurry and ask Siri. Yes. Anything. You want food, you're hungry. Order it to your house. Your mom's not home. You can just order it to your house. Yep. I call it ruthless busyness. Ooh. We are a culture of ruthless busyness. We wear like with a badge of honor of how freaking busy we are, how much we're doing, how much we're capable of handling all at once. Yeah, if you wonder, just the humbling thing is if, if you've never done it, like I've been doing it and shaming myself, I guess. Oh. How much time is on like screen time on your phone? Oh, yeah. You oh, haven't. my gosh. You'll sit there and be like, there's no way. It's just three or four hours, sometimes five hours. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it is humbling. Here's the thing. Here's the sad thing is like with all of the advances in technology and science that we've made as a culture and as a, as a global community, you would think, especially in the United States, you would think that we were, we were so healthy and so thriving and that we figured it out that we figured it out. Oh my gosh. We don't have to hunt and forage for our food anymore. When really we're facing the, the most extreme epidemic of mental health an addiction crisis ever known ever like even if you were plopped onto this planet for the first time and you just had to make a quick assessment of what was going on and you were in america you could quickly assess that the culture is toxic and you that it is killing people like looking at the data there are more sick people there are more people addicted there's more people that are mentally ill there's more people that are dying of overdoses like our culture doesn't support healthy growth it just doesn't so we have to teach take charge of it. And we could spend a day talking about the reasons why. I mean, we all know that in our pockets, we carry a thousand mirrors through social media and different things, comparing ourselves to the world, people that are filtered, Photoshopped, fake. We're not even, you're not even comparing yourself to real things anymore. No, it is toxic. I want to just bring this home and remind everyone that every addiction is progressive, some worse than others. Illicit drugs progress pretty quickly. The number one drug out in the world right now, porn, pornography, it progresses quickly for some and it's a slow progression for others. Yeah. Taking a medication for legitimate reasons does not mean someone is addicted, but we have a massive problem of being prescribed anything. There's, I mean, there's so many options. Yeah. New drugs coming out all the time. And people who are taking them for legitimate reasons end up doing this for six months. And then all of a sudden it's three years. And then it's six months, six years down the road. Yeah. The story that I hear most frequently is, okay, I have a 32 year old son. He's like an alcoholic. He does all this. He's like in his basement, his liver's failing. It's progressed to a point where he stinks. And almost every time they trace it back. Yeah. He, you know, he was a great kid. He struggled in school. He's, he was taking antidepressants or Adderall for years. And that little thing just kept them stuck. Yeah. So even allowed them to progress. Like you shared and like I shared, medications were used in a certain point in life to overcome something we couldn't do on our own. Yeah. With an end goal. That's right. But when there is no end goal and there's no transition, what happens is everything's progressive. So let's let's take the word addiction out. Let's just say feeling good, that the way to feel good is progressive. Yeah. We were just talking about exercise. Yeah. And how like I keep wanting to feel stronger and look better and now yeah. I'm just turning ridiculous. Like yeah. doing crazy things <laughs> yes. because uh, it progresses to, to get the same result, the same right. feeling. 
I'm tired of stories like mine beginning with the very first drug dealer in your life being your doctor. Mm-hmm. And not for one second am I disrespecting anyone in that field because I admire them. They're some, they're the most, some of the most essential people in our society, but they're there to help. And I think they know that there's medications and scientifically proven things that can help people in that moment. Yeah. But never are they handing someone the hair going, okay, I hope to be writing you this prescription 30 years from now. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be on this for the next decade. Next year, I hope we haven't doubled your dose. And next year, I hope you don't start calling and telling me that you lost your prescription or someone stole it out of your car. Right. Most people like myself, the drug, the, your first drug dealer was your doctor. And it was never intended to be that way. Right. But they gave you something that helped you with something you could not deal with or navigate through on your own. And over time, that small thing, that temporary solution meant to be just giving you aid for a moment becomes what? Yep. Permanent. The most permanent thing. If this is you or someone that you love, you've got to pull the band-aid off at some point. Yeah. You have Don't to let really it progress. It. Don't let it progress. It's the thing that nobody thinks will ever happen to me. Oh, never happened to me. It'll never happen to me. Goodness gracious. Have you seen how I was raised? This little sweet little boy in church doing these things that my parents had me raised and then ending up in a jumpsuit behind bars with felonies on my record. <laughs> I never thought that would happen. Mm-mm. But it stemmed from temporary solutions in my life becoming the most permanent thing. And they progressed over time. They progressed over time. Guess what also progresses? Not only the need and what you're consuming, but the problems, the Mm -hmm. lies, all the collateral damage. Yeah. Pull, rip it. Rip off the Band-Aid and allow yourself to feel discomfort. And if it's the person you love, their path to recovery is going to have to be Uncomfortable. uncomfortable for a while. We love you guys. If you hear this episode in time, please come join us on May 1st. Otherwise, share this episode with someone you know who needs it. Have a great week. Bye, guys.